0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Queerly Recommended, the podcast where we recommend queer books, TV shows, films, and more. I'm Tara Scott, and I review queer women's fiction at The Lesbian Review and Smart Bitches Trashy Books. And today, I am very excited because I am joined by the person who wrote two of my very favorite books that I read this year, The Delicate Things We Make and The Headmistress. It is Melina Mackay. Welcome. Hi, everyone. So... We are here. We are joined together. We're making this sound very churchy. We are here because we were chatting a little bit over Twitter and we started nerding out over a mutual obsession, which is truth and measure, and thought it would be great to actually just have the conversation and bring it to everyone else. So for those that don't know, Truth and Measure started as a Devil Wears Prada fanfic by Telenu, and then it was revised and re-released in two parts under the name Rosalind Sinclair, which was released earlier this year from Ilva Publishing. Something to keep in mind as you're listening, when Ilva released it, it is actually two books with two different names, Truth and Measure, and then Above All Things, but it's one complete story. You really can't read them separately. You need to read them together. So when we're talking, we're just going to be saying the book, which means it could be either in part one or part two, but it really for us is that whole one story. So we're calling it the book. One other note, there will be spoilers. That's just going to happen. There's no real way to do what we're about to do, talking about the differences between the two, what we love about them, what changed and all of that without spoilers. However, it is a romance. We all know how romances end. They all have had those happy endings. There are no massive twists. There is one twist in both that we're just going to leave that alone. So even if you haven't read it, I think by the end of this episode, you're going to want to listen to it. So because the fanfic came first, Mila, do you want to tell people what it's about?
1: Sure. So Truth and Measure, the fanfic was published on the archive of our own in 2013. From 2013 to now, it has a quarter of a million hits, which means people have opened that link a quarter of a million times. It is quite unprecedented for a contemporary fandom to have those kinds of numbers. And it speaks of the longevity uh, of the story. It speaks of the quality of the story. It also speaks of how... Generations and generations of readers keep finding it and keep reading it and keep maintaining the love for it. Truth and Measure, as it's published, is actually a series of stories, a big one, The Truth and Measure, and then it's accompanied by several ficlets, which either describe the story from Miranda's point of view or show us what happened after the main story ends and one of them makes me cry all the time uh the parting glass i just when i oh, want when, yeah. when i want to cry i just open that and and i read it and it's not that it's like sad sad it just shows life after the story and it's beautiful and poignant and and but it just it just makes me cry all the time because it's so beautiful mm-hmm. and so wonderfully <laughs> written the all the stories together are about 300,000 words And when I read it years ago, I spent 38 hours on it, and I didn't go to work, and I didn't sleep. (laughs) And I called called to my boss and said, I can't come. I don't feel well. And I wasn't feeling well because I was so sleepy, but I couldn't stop reading. So... Mm -hmm. Rosalind Sinclair, you're like totally responsible for my lack of productivity
0: <laughs> that particular Oh my God, week. for so many people. So I know so many people that went through something similar. The way, how did you find this? Because the way I found it was Andy Marquette and Jove Bell used to have a podcast. I, th- I think it might have just been the Women in Words podcast. I don't know, but it was on the Lesbian Reviews podcast network that they had at the time. And Jove Bell talked about it. And I was like, I don't know, because I'm... I'm going to just apologize and hope nobody comes after me with pitchforks. But like, (laughs) I didn't get into the movie, right? Like it was, I saw it once. I was like, okay, that was a movie. And I think that was just where I was at at the time. And the way Jove Bell talked about this fic, and I wasn't even really into fanfic. Like this was the story that got me into it. And she's like, it's like almost 300,000 words. Yes, it's long. I promise it's worth it. And I did not call in sick to work, but I think it took me two or three days to read it and i basically neglected my kids for a couple days like if i wasn't working i was reading it's it was immersive so hard to put down. it's immersive. So immersive it
1: is <laughs> it grabs you yes. and it and it won't let you go and it is so amazing to me because it is a romance it's a contemporary romance it's an age gap it has an ice queen but you know with a mystery with a twist with like from one twist to the next to the next to the next you are in the story and the story keeps keeps mm-hmm. at you but this this fanfic uh and this book they have this mastery of writing this completely masterful style that is so immersive that even when the yes. story doesn't have twists and you kind of know like, you understand as a reader of romance how it certain s- sort of will progress and that they will end up together and there is happily ever after but from one plot plot point to the next to the next to the next, you're just grabbed by it and you're so consumed by it. It's wonderful. It this is what a truly gifted writer, when they do this, is just an amazing. It's a sight to see and to read.
0: <laughs> for the people, for the for the two people who haven't listened to me and read any of this yet, because I've been harping on about it across two different podcasts over four years. What is the fic about? We are in the Devil Wears
1: Prada um, fandom and the story begins sort of kind of at the end of the movie. So if you watch the movie, you know that at the end of the movie, Miranda does her masterful, you know, switcheroo and beats her foe, or rabbits, and, and everything's fine. And Andy can stomach the, the, you know, the, the cutthroat environment and the everybody wants to be us quote and walks away. Well, Telenu didn't allow Andy to walk away. And instead, we are getting what happens if Andy would have never walked away. And the entire story is a progression of several months. Uh, well, exactly nine months. And that, <laughs> and that is significant because yeah. after Paris, after they return back home, the premise of the story is that Miranda finds herself pregnant. Pregnant, alone. Uh, divorcing, uh, Stephen, the father of the child. And she's not just alone because the father's gone, and but she is alone. And Andy is the only person she can lean on. And from there on, and from that premise, we have shenanigans.
0: Yeah. And then when it's turned into an original fic, we get different character names. So Miranda is Vivian, and Andy is Jules. There isn't kind of all of that backstory, but it is sort of similar in the sense that Vivian is at the helm of this fashion runway. She makes fashion. Why did I say fashion runway? I meant magazine. Runway magazine (laughs) is the magazine in Devil Wears Prada, and then it's du jour in truth in, in in the book, right? Yes. Okay. So the reason I had to check is that I actually was reading the book at the same time that I was listening to the delicate things we make. And I had to pause on the delicate things we make for a little bit because I was getting some of the names of different things confused with each other. And I was afraid that I was pulling a magazine name out of your book.
1: Poise. Poise is, uh, yeah is, in the, right? in, in, in the McUniverse, it's poise. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing my best. It's really hard when you're reading two books that have some similarities, and you love them both. And then they start to blend and you just I just had to like throw little barriers (laughs) between them. So in the truth and measure book, though, it's still this like, yes, Jules is Vivian's assistant, like, The larger beats of the story don't change, in my opinion. It is still this like, oh, okay, my boss is pregnant. How do I support her? Oh, shit, I'm catching feelings along the way. But it's more in the nuances that are different. So I think, you know, Andy is a little bit more of a dormant and Jules very much stands up for herself. And I think that was actually um, really necessary because... There is a really 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 big thing that happened between publishing both of these and that is the me too movement. Yes. And with me too happening, like I knew that the fic was being turned into like a, a published book and I just kept saying to myself how is this going to work? How can this possibly work with there being a boss employee relationship because there are some workplace romances that involve boss employee relationships that I actually can't read anymore because they just hit differently since me too like anything that comes across as like kind of predatory or whatever I was so pleasantly surprised and also I have to admit like I was kind of terrified going into reading the book too because it's like that fanfic was one of my top five books of all time like I don't give a shit that it wasn't published by any publisher like I read it so many times it's so long to me that counts as a book and I was so thrilled and relieved by how much I ended up loving it and I did the same thing I just like I devoured it and I was so mad (laughs) that the second part wasn't out yet when I read the first part because I was pining for the (laughs) second part in a way that like. It reminded me of why I don't read fics that aren't finished anymore. Right?
1: That, that's like trauma. The trauma of the unfinished fic.
0: So I experienced that trauma. And it was like, I actually felt it in my body because of another Devil Wears Prada fic. And did you ever read Pure Shores?
1: Uh, I did. I did. And I love, I adore, um, not everyone. I adore. It's one of, you know, mm-hmm. up there in the pantheon of, of the amazing Devil Wears product fix is just it's one wonderful. of those. It's just one of those that, you know, it stays with you. The, the, it, it perfect. It, it has all the, yes. the top notes. And then yes. pure shorts came out and. Mm-hmm. I just talked about this. This It's very different. It is. It is very different. It is very different. And I know even the author mentioned uh, a couple of times that people have been yelling at them um, about writing pure shores and about how everything is handled in the pure shores. I guess it's not for everyone. I guess pure shores aren't for everyone. But I totally subscribe to to your statement that... You know, you're sitting there and you're worried. This, this story meant so much to me. The fanfic. Yeah. It's, it's one of those stories that, that when I read it, it just made me want to write, made me want to be part of the fandom, made me, it was one of the, of the main things that I certainly owe my career to as a writer. And it's even in my author bio, and I will never take it out, that, that I uh, oh, yeah. completely uh, and totally can quote Truth and Measure by telling you in my sleep. And no matter what happens with my career in the future, this line will always yeah. stay in my author bio because it's nothing but the truth. So, yeah, it, it was immensely important that uh, the story and the fic be translated to a novel the way it actually did happen very carefully, uh, with a lot of love, with a lot of respect for both the characters yes. and the story itself. I read it actually on the plane. I had to, to do a transatlantic flight back and forth in three days. So yep. flight one day and then flight back. So I had about 20 hours all told, <laughs> mm-hmm. just sit, sitting there on a plane. So I finished, I, I actually did, you know, uh, knowing and having that, that trauma of unfinished fix i waited for both of the books to be out before i good for uh, you i read it i was like i can't i can't i've been i've been burned so many times in fan fiction with stories that have not been finished (laughs) i can't the longing yeah the longing as you said the longing the pining would be just too much so i um i i really just sat there on the plane i didn't sleep uh and i read you know you know what, yeah. what for me was also very important. I think it was, uh, Lee Winter a long, long mm-hmm. time ago who said that truth and measure the fanfic was the less fig bible. And. Oh, yeah. F- she called it that way. Um, and I, I hope it was her. I think it was her. I'm pretty sure, uh, she was the, the one who coined the term because in the entire, uh, women love women fan fiction of all the fandoms of everything this is one story that no matter which reader of fanfic you talk to they've all read it and it is all and it's important to all of them like be it swan queen be it klexa being you name it they've all Mm -hmm. still read truth measure even if they're not necessarily a devil west prada you know um but it is such an emblem it is such an emblematic fanfiction story to our community, to our niche, Mm -hmm. that it was super important for it to be translated the way that Rosalind Sinclair did translate it, with a lot of love and a lot of care and a lot of respect. So I take my hat off. I'm not wearing one, but if I was wearing one (laughs) Roslyn. No one's gonna call you on it, it's fine.
0: (laughs) I take my hat off. And one of the things that I really appreciate about her is that she made sure because this is the third of her devil wears prada fics that have been turned into books because the lily and the crown was the first and then what's it called the x ingredient i think yes yeah yeah which was another one that reading the fic i was like oh boy in the (laughs) hell how 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 is that going to be possible because the real like two minute aside rabbit hole for people that don't know In the fic, the premise is that Andy finds out that one of the duties of Miranda's assistants is that they have to get her off. And so she's like, well, then I'm going to do it better than anyone else in the world. And it's like, again, pre-Me Too. And then then the book was post-Me Too. And it just like, it works. They're both great. They're both very different because the world changed. But something that I appreciate is that you can still get the fix on archive of our own there are a lot of authors that take fanfic and then turn it into books and then they have to pull down what where it came from in the first place which can be you know quite painful for readers that don't download and store the files on their computers or in their emails or in their in their e-readers and she doesn't do that so you actually can like if when we're done you are interested in comparing you can go read the whole fic and then you can also go read the books that's just possible read both yeah and then come back and tell us what you think if twitter is still standing at that point find us on twitter and let us know what you think and if it's not standing you can email podcast at really dot and i will pass on your email to, to Mila. so what are the things in the book like what what changed that you particularly loved
1: oh um the thing that I absolutely adored is that we kind of get to glimpse inside their relationship a lot more than we, mm-hmm. uh, did in the fic. So Roslyn really expended on once they get together, what does it look like? And not just yeah. the sex scenes, although those are uh, also extended to the great joy of many mm-hmm. of us. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Um uh, but their relationship, their interactions. Yes, the fic is also quite rich in those, but the book just goes beyond. It it's mm-hmm. it's deep, it's profound, it's meaningful, how they step out together, you know, in public the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh we get to see that. We get to see interactions uh once the kid is born. I love those. I love those. They're they seemingly little details but again the mm-hmm. way rosin builds very profound moments from small details interspersed throughout the book i'm just in awe so that was for me quite a satisfying you know uh, find in the book versus the fig
0: yeah and for you i think i think for me what i loved actually is that it left some things behind That it was, like, my least favorite things actually didn't make it in the book in favor of what you're talking about. Like, for me, reading the fic, which, like, I love, and I've probably read more times than any other book in my life, except for maybe Jane Eyre, which I cannot tell you how many times I read between the ages of 14 and 25. Do you remember the brunch scene? Yes. With the French toast. I... With the French toast. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, so it's the they are together, Andy doesn't work for her anymore, Miranda, you know, is in charge of all these magazines and doesn't really have time. And they go for this brunch in public. They're not they're not out publicly yet. And Miranda, the way she's acting is very strange. Almost like they're acquaintances. And then Andy basically begs for more time on her calendar. And that whole thing just made me so uncomfortable every time I read it, because I think I just wanted so much more for Andy. And so then reading the and and as I was reading the first time as I was reading the book, I was like, oh, God, oh, God. And then I was like, wait, it's not there. (laughs) It's not there in favor of a much healthier relationship dynamic. This is wonderful. Uh,
1: That's another thing that the book has. Uh, The relationship is a lot healthier from the start. Yes. From the very beginning. Yes, But I mean, this is also one of those aspects that you have when, you know, turning fanfic into uh, original fiction is Mm -hmm. some things you get to keep. But some things you cannot keep. And one of the things that you cannot keep yeah. is you have to build characters anew. You have yes. to have the characters be yours. And I mean, when you write fan fiction, mm-hmm. I come from, from a fan fiction background. You don't spend any time building characters because your audience already knows them. Everybody knows who Miranda yes. Priestley is. Everybody knows she had, needs no introductions. If people yeah. are read, reading, uh, you know, a Devil Wears Prada fic, they know who she is, color hair, color eyes, her idiosyncrasies, mm-hmm. her pursing of the lips, her raising of the eyebrow, you know, everything is known. Rosalind built an entire new set of characters for uh, yes. the original fiction. And so Vivian Carlyle is not Miranda Priestley. Miranda Priestley is and what is part of her charm and her allure is she's an ice queen to the extreme. Full max. Yes, she is cold. She is cruel at times, even to people whom she loves. And yes. it's it's part of what makes her be her. Vivian Carlyle is cold, but she's not cruel. She's also a lot healthier <laughs> and the relationship, yeah, yeah, yeah. hence the relationship with Jules, who is a different character to Andy Sachs, also is, mm-hmm. is very different. So I, I think that that brunch scene where Miranda is, you know, being Miranda, very much herself, very much in her own element of, you know, ice queen, at times selfish. But that's what the character is. She would have never been Miranda Priestley if she wasn't, you know, selfish to those. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, um, it's true. The, the brunch scene fits very well in the realm of Truth and Measure, the fan fiction. It wouldn't have fit yes. at all in the uh, realm of, you know, Truth and Measure and above all things, of books, simply because no. the, Vivian
0: Carlyle is not cruel. And Jules wouldn't beg like that. No. Jules um, wouldn't put up with that. No. That's where I liked, and so kind of along that very same vein, some of the things I, I loved included after... The, oh, when was it? Was it New Year's Eve? I I just finished rereading it recently, but I don't know. I haven't quite baked in my brain where all the specific things are in the new one yet. It's actually, it was really funny rereading it because it's similar to the fic but there's still like i said it's similar beats but the character is exactly as you said the characters are different the the vibe can be different at times and then there are new things that like new scenes new things like that that have been introduced all of which i love but my brain because it read the fic so many times when i start reading it says "Ah, yes i know what we're reading and i haven't retrained it yet (laughs) on where all the specifics are because I found myself getting surprised thinking, oh, yeah, this is going to happen, right? Nope, it's not, or it's not going to happen here. But when they go to some kind of a party and Andy's pissed off at her, sorry, Jules is pissed off at Vivian and is kind of like not really talking to her and is talking to other people. And then afterwards, they actually talk it out, which again, like to what you were saying about the difference in characters, there would have been no talking anything like that out with Miranda. And Vivian just says, Tell me what you're thinking. I don't want any more pouting in the future. I'd rather you just tell me. And then there are times when she does. Like, for them to be able to have those conversations. And, and Vivian making it clear, you're not the same as other people. Like, you... Like, her finding it hard to take when Jules says, people don't ask you for things. And yeah. she basically says, you're, you're not people. And I found that so powerful, like so, so powerful and made me fall even more in love with this couple and and even more believe in that potential for like a real true relationship for them.
1: So uh, let me ask you this then, since we're here. So what's your favorite among the two?
0: For me, it's the book. I actually don't know if I'm going to read the fic ever again because I feel like the book takes all of my favorite things except for that one sex scene in the bathroom. I do miss that. That was a very good scene. That was good. (laughs) Oh my god. God. That's just like one of the best sex scenes I've ever read in anything. But I I, I still have the fic on my Kindle. I can go back to it if I need to. But it takes all of my favorite things. It leaves behind my least favorite things, which we've kind of already discussed. And then it's just, I don't know, it's so good. And like, not only is it my favorite of the two, it's actually my favorite book. Like, ever. Total now. And so I just love it so much. It's just this beautiful, special. I, I was like, I'm inclined to say comfort read and like, yes, it is a comfort read, but it's so much more than that. Like there's just something so special and so spectacular about it. It's like coming home, right? It.
1: It's like coming home. It is home, like right? coming
0: home. Yes. And I think the thing that makes it so special and makes it so rereadable and makes everyone fall in love with it. And to be fair, this applies equally well to the fic. This is not just about the book. So I don't want to say it's the thing that tips it over for me. It's the other stuff I said that tips it over for me. But I think the thing that makes this so special and I've so rarely seen it is the passion that builds between them. Like, yes, I'm used to seeing relationships build in romances, of course, but there's just something so unique about the way this author builds passion. Yes. And I actually think in the book, it's even a little bit stronger, perhaps, Because they also have a mutual passion just around the fashion industry. And it really, like, I'm not going to say that that drives the passion between them. Because if you say, look at um, The Music in the Mirror by Lola Keeley, that's one where, like, I would say the passion factor is equally strong. But that one is because they both have a passion for ballet. And the passion for ballet turns into a passion for each other. In this case, I think it just helps that they have this thing that they both mutually care about. So it gives them more common ground than what is had in the fic. I don't know if any of that makes sense. I got very excited.
1: <laughs> it does. And I agree. Uh, I agree to a certain extent. It is more, it is developed more in the books because in the mm-hmm. fanfic you could you could at one point you could say that it's sort of fated love you know yes it is love that and it is a relationship that it's meant to be and it is meant to be because yes. xyz but it's more that it's meant to be at one point i think Miranda says uh, i felt i fell in love with you because you were there and you were there because i needed you so it was yeah. in a way they don't fall in love because, you know, how, um, interesting or smart or, I mean, yes, that makes a person, but it is more of a fated love concept in the fanfic mm-hmm. versus in the original fiction. It's, it's very well crafted around them falling in love seamlessly because not they're just there for each other, but they are these mm-hmm. complex, very interesting people with a lot of common ground and this common ground brings them together and sort of sparks that interest towards each other. And then comes the Mm -hmm. mutual need, the mutual attraction, the passion, the desire, you know, and all that fire that, that, that sort of unites them. So I, I totally understand what you're saying, but I also love that. And that's maybe just my, (laughs) just me, uh, right. I love the faded I, I love the faded love concept and um I appreciate very much how it was treated in the fan fiction but it was one of the things that I also loved very much about what was changed you know from um mm-hmm. from the story to the original fan fiction and it we go back to the fact that Roslin had to recreate something yes but also start anew in very many ways mm-hmm. because you have to move away From the fanfiction. You have to, you just have to, uh, be it copyright issues or be it originality or be it that the new story Mm -hmm. you're trying to build demands something else. And we're talking, the movie came out in 2006. Things were very different back then. The fanfic was published in 2013, but I think it was written before that. And Mm -hmm. we're 2022 things have changed dramatically me too a lot of issues that that are in the in the fanfic would not be you know maybe received differently this time around than they were in 2013 or in 2006 uh that's why i admire uh rosalind talon so much is the knowing what to change and to change it in such a way that would enhance the story and not and take nothing away from it
0: Yes. Yes, I agree. And it's interesting because one of the things that I loved the most about the fic didn't make its way over to the book, but I didn't care because of the way she rewrote those characters and turned it into a much more healthy relationship. Because I think in the fic, it was so impactful every time Miranda showed an ounce of noticing or care towards Andy because she showed so little care towards most people especially yes. to to anyone that that was in the in the walls at runway she's like we've already said like ice queen to the max like mega 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 bitch very scary i loved reading about her i would never want to be in front of her in person <laughs> and so it was so like it could be a description of how she looked at Andy it could be a slight change like a description of a slight change of her tone of voice it could be like one line it would just be like oh this is so beautiful she's clearly changed so much but i don't again like i can go back to the fic if i want if i want to see that but i also don't feel like i need to because i like vivian carlisle as a character much more she is somebody that like again i wouldn't want to work with her but she's maybe somebody that i could see myself going to have dinner with And having a conversation like somebody that i that i could conceivably want to be in her social circle
1: the dynamic of their relationship is different again we we see the you know the love uh we see the i mean andy has to pretty much drag out of miranda that miranda loves her and it is such it is treated in the story in the fan fiction it is treated as a Uh, uh, quite, uh, you know, an undertaking. It is a moment, it's a massive plot point in terms of Miranda confessing Mm -hmm. her love, which uh, for Miranda, for the character, it is so entirely foreign to her to discuss feelings, Mm -hmm. to to bring up feelings, to be vulnerable that way. It's why I love the Mm -hmm. character so much, why so many people love the character, but I mean, come on, <laughs> Miranda Priestly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is, is not somebody you, you know, kind of sit around and, and talk about feelings with, but it also, it, it also reminds me of something uh, that I don't remember who said it, but so it's not an original thought here, mm-hmm. but I read somewhere, I heard somewhere that Miranda Priestley is a person who is never quite comfortable with happiness in general or love. Or Ooh. just not comfortable with happiness. She kind of looks at it from yeah. afar, even when it happens to her. So when I, when I, when I yeah. perceived this idea and when I looked at truth and measure through this lens of, lens of Miranda Priestley and happiness are sort of a, you know, 404 mm-hmm. file not found. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's like, there's no, no, Truly. It's, it's like absolute incompatibility in her mind. Cause even when she's entirely happy, here you have her, you know, especially at the end of the story, totally fulfilled, totally, you know, she has pretty much everything she wants. And that very poignant scene in the hospital, when Archer is born, Andy's there to go get her coffee, and she literally falls apart. She cries and thanks Andy for everything. This is it's like, Miranda Priestley faced with happiness. This is what happens. She falls apart, you know? Yeah. So this, yeah. this, maybe you can say dysfunctionality of the character to a certain degree. Vivian Carlyle mm-hmm. is functional <laughs> versus yeah. Miranda Priestley is dis- yes. <laughs> dysfunctional to a certain oh, yeah. degree. So Vivian Carlyle shares love vivian Carlyle gives love she doesn't withhold yes she's not you know showy but she can be she's an ice queen what do you want from her like she is she is a powerful ice queen but her moments of sharing her love are much more obvious they're tender they're caring and they're there throughout the entire book which is such a beautiful change from fanfic to original Mm -hmm. fiction
0: so i can't remember which of the follow-up 'Cause there are what, between three and five follow-up short stories to the film. Four. There's five total. Four. There you go. Directly between three and five. <laughs> and the one oh, yeah. Maybe it maybe it is the parting glass, because it's the one that's written by Archer, where he's yes. recollecting yes. kind of all of those memories. But and this might actually be I'm trying, I'm trying to think if it is my favorite of all the moments of everything. If it's not, it's like top five for sure, maybe even top three. But I so, so, so loved him recalling the time that Andy comes home with a wedding ring. They haven't even gotten married. (laughs) And she has this like tantrum because she's so tired of men hitting on miranda and she's like you're gonna put on this goddamn ring and i uh, uh," and she like actually stamps her foot i think at one point and miranda basically says little to nothing but then she wears the ring every day after that for the rest of their time together and i just thought like what an incredible piece that like it would not make sense like to bring forward into the book but so perfect.
1: But you know what also is very, very emblematic of Miranda Priestly in that scene? She looks at the ring and, I mean, there's mm-hmm. she's doing work, Annie's stomping her feet, uh, raging about some guy, you know, hitting on her at a party. The kids are sitting mm-hmm. there, Archer's doing his homework. And she doesn't say, like, oh my god, you know, romantic decoration. She says, it's a little thick. You know, the band is a little yes. thick. <laughs> and And Archer notices that they lived together for another 40 years after the, the exchange of the rings. Yeah. She never changed the thick band. They literally buried her with the, no. with the thick band that it mattered. Like she didn't say anything. In fact, she yeah. kind of poo pooed the ring, you know, but she wore it. So this yeah. is, the, this is, this is the essence of Miranda Priestley, you know, not yes. warm, not kind, but she will sort of wear that happiness and it won't sit easily on her shoulders it will chafe at her it will be uncomfortable for her like the thick band but she will mm. wear it so it, that's 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 what makes the the story lovely but it is miranda Priestley. vivian carlisle would have had a completely different moment with Jules when it comes to rings it would have been an entirely different because they're oh, yeah. totally different characters and Jules would have absolutely differently presented the ring. Hard. Absolutely differently presented the ring. I am so totally... I know than mentioned on Twitter uh, very recently that a short story is coming out in the Carlisle uh, universe. <gasps> in February, I think, uh, there's going to be an anthology I of short know. stories. So there's going to be a short story. So I am very much looking forward to maybe it'll be a proposal <laughs> cuz i would love to see mm-hmm. the proposal i mean we've seen it in uh the fan fiction in you know with yes. the stomping of the of the feet and with uh <laughs> i'm i'm proposing cuz men should stop hitting on you yes but i would very much love to see Jules or Vivian uh depends who who proposes i would like i would love to see their proposal cuz i imagine it being very different from the fanfic
0: you know what I would love to see in either the book or the fic because it didn't get written and I also know it will never get written is the conversation between Vivian slash Miranda and Jules slash Andy's mom
1: oh my god it was one of my biggest regrets every time I reread the fic, and then, (laughs) then when I read I was like yeah. so looking forward i was like i was turning pages in the book <laughs> it's, like, it's there it's there yes. it's there please roslyn please give me what did vivian say
0: yes to, to,
1: but to jules mom and it was not there and i'm like ah oh, roslyn you tease
0: <laughs> but i do love that and i know it's in the book because i just read it a couple weeks ago and i think it's in the fic and you will tell me if i'm wrong because you have a better memory than i do but I just love that line about like, "What did you do? What did you say?" And it was just that like I said what it to keep like you I, I did. I did what I I did what I had to do. <laughs> I yes, I, love that I did line. what I had to do because I will do what I have to do. Like I'm, I know I got that line wrong, but just that kind of a sentiment. Yes, oh, that I will do especially from thing. someone like that. Yes,
1: mm-hmm. big time, mm-hmm. big time. It was one of those moments, one of those plot points where. I mean, we know that Miranda slash Vivian, that that she loves A&B slash Jules. We know it. And yes. she shows it through various points. But this one, this is like, you know, the grand gesture that romance novels yes. have. This is where she literally goes against her own grain and yes. debases herself, which for her is like humiliation itself, to explain herself mm-hmm. to people whom she doesn't respect for whom she has no particular feelings, and whom she, you know, whose opinion she doesn't value. But then, like for you, for you, Andy, for you, Jules, I will do what is necessary mm-hmm. to keep you happy and to keep you happy with me. So it is such a powerful moment of I will, you know, not show you my love for all these, you know, reasons because I am yeah, <laughs> because I'm cold because I'm you know maybe mm-hmm. damaged in a certain way because I am who I am. But when it counts most, I will do the worst things that I can imagine doing to keep you happy. Like wear a thick band.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I just love that. Like, I what did you do? I did the thing I said I'd never do. Like, oh, it was so good. So did anything not make it into the book that you especially loved because i think for me it was just that one sex scene because also the like what i was saying about the miranda spare moments of like showing things and uh, showing that love and like it just hits you in the chest like you can't have that and also have vivian be who she is and i would rather have vivian be who she is like that worked out to a very fine trade for me but like what about you was there anything that didn't make it over that keeps you going back to the fic.
1: Maybe only one thing, because as I said, Rosin did a, a phenomenal job of translating an iconic story into now an iconic book. The only thing that I miss maybe a little bit, but then I can always go, you know, to the fanfic and read it there. Totally. Is uh, the twins. The kids. Mm. Uh, but mm. here is where I think the trade-off is completely fair. Miranda and Vivian, we, we keep, we keep coming back to Vivian being much more humane already. She is maybe Mm -hmm. not warm, but she's whole and she's healthy and she is not cruel. Yes. So she doesn't need a counterbalance for humanity's purposes, you know, (laughs) versus Miranda. I can't imagine Miranda Priestley on her own without that vulnerability that the twins give her, uh, both in the movie and in the, um, in the story, in the fanfic, mm-hmm. they make her humane. Andy sees yes. her initially, sees her and basically falls in love with her because of the twins. Because otherwise she's like, mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, she's maybe starts getting a little attracted to her, but her humanity, her, her more sort of, uh, warmer uh, traits of her character, her her soul, if you if you want to, you know, me to go very dramatic, are shown in those instances when she's with the children, with her children. Uh, she has a lot of guilt where they're concerned. She thinks a lot about their happiness, about their health, about their emotional stability and well-being. And we don't see it anywhere else because Miranda is, you know, mm-hmm. the original ice queen. So there isn't, we, we can't, we can't glimpse those moments of humanity and warmth. And, because if there are no twins, you sit there and you ask, what is Andy seeing in her? You know? I mean, sure, she's not. Yeah, twins. she looks like a psychopath without them. Vivian Carlyle doesn't need the twins to be yeah. the character that she is. We never ask ourselves, well, what is Jules seeing in Vivian Carlyle? We don't need to. It's very obvious. Yes. It's very, very obvious what is attractive about Vivian Carlyle and why is Joe so enam- uh, enamored. And we wouldn't be mm-hmm. seeing that with Miranda Priestley. So I think these are. This is the only thing I miss it. But it's not needed. Yeah. It's not needed because yes. because Rosen created a brand new character in Vivian Carlyle who mm-hmm. is already humane, who is not extreme. Who's not cruel, who's not inhumane, you know, so that she doesn't need a counterbalance for vulnerability. She already is who she is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. I didn't miss the twins. And I actually think, like, just watching different reactions to this book, uh, that seemed to be one of the most polarizing things. People either really, really missed them or didn't really miss them at all and didn't kind of notice that big of a difference. So. Yeah, it was interesting to see that. Also, I find it fascinating how active this fandom still is, even though the movie's been out for so, so long. Yes. I think that's so cool. It speaks, I don't know if it's Meryl or Anne, or,
1: but the quality of the writing in the fandom is unbelievable. And it keeps the fandom going. Look at how many authors... Mm-hmm. How many Sophic fiction authors came out of this fandom? I know very few other fandoms that produced as many. Sure, uh, Lola Keeley, yeah, Lola Keeley maybe. wrote in, in, yeah. in Supergirl as well. And Lee Winter wrote in Swan Queen. Uh, yes. Lee Winter wrote in Swan Queen. And Roslyn Sinclair herself wrote in, uh, Grace and Frankie, Frankie and Grace.
0: Grace and Frankie. Yes.
1: So, but their sort of main fandom, was always devil wears prada so the longevity and yeah the quality the just the sheer quality these are the three authors are are absolutely unbelievable award-winning uh renowned throughout our our our
0: community amazing they you too though <laughs> but also also you like you just picked up two goldies didn't you or three what was it um three yeah so also i think the only fandom that's produced more authors is xena which to be fair that was also like ways back but the thing that i really appreciate about and and it speaks to the quality is that like i started reading in this fandom not remembering anything that happened in the movie and it didn't matter it never mattered because the writing was just so 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 good and I found the same thing. I got into Swan Queen for a while. I only ever watched one episode of Once Upon a Time. And so much of the writing there is so good that it doesn't it doesn't matter. So, that's kind of my opinion like yes, it's always better if you know who these characters are, but truth and measure, I've been able to recommend to many people that never read it and I said it doesn't matter. Approach it as a workplace ice queen age gap romance and you're going to have a good time. It's canon. For me,
1: yeah. For me, truth and measure fanfic—it's canon. I think I tweeted about it just like yesterday or something. Somebody said that you know, when you have an iconic fanfic story, it replaces canon and becomes it, mm-hmm. and then you sort of treat everything else through the lens of yes. through the lens of this fanfic story. It is absolutely abs. I mean, some of the some of the elements that we find in the fanfic. Are then sort of adopted by the entire community and treated as such, like the name of the parents, you know, or uh, yes. things, or like where's one from, where's the other from, um, the names of town. Like, we treat truth and measure, you know, the, the nerds in this fanfic. We treat it as canon, yeah, yeah. and it becomes you know canon for us. And I've seen numerous stories in the fandom written. With truth and measure as, you know, the actual, you know, details and like phantom, you know, you can, you can call it phantom, but, Mm uh, it is, it has become, it is so iconic that it, it replaced, you know, what happened in the movie and not everybody watched the movie and and not everybody, uh, uh, read the, the book the movie is based on, but Mm -hmm. the sapphics who, who adored the fandom, everybody, uh, read the fanfic. And they treat it as such. This is what happens. I'm, I'm not taking questions at this moment.
0: <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, i when you were mentioning how many hits it has on Archive of Our Own, I was curious and looked up and sorted by kudos again. Cause I haven't done it in a while. Cause every so often I'll go to just look up everything under Devil Wars Prada, sort by kudos, see if there's anything new. It is still, it still has more than any other. Devil Wears Prada story up on Archive of Our Own. It has more than 5,000. And it has almost 2,000 more than the next story. Yep. Like the one that has the second most kudos. Yep. Like it's just so well loved. Even people who have nothing to do with the Devil Wears Prada fandom
1: still absolutely have read it. uh, Be they from uh, Mm -hmm. Super Cat or Swan Queen. You know, the other uh, Ice Queen representative fandoms. They still have read it because it's so iconic and it's so well written. The quality of the writing, the story tale, storytelling, the jokes, the it, it's, I love it.
0: Everybody loves it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's also kind of a friendship litmus test at this point. Um. So we're kind of near the end, but I want to shift things a little bit. Cause like we've kind of mentioned here and there, you also wrote in this fandom and you also took your own fic and turned it into like original stories that you've published. What is that like to kind of go out and write something in a fandom that ends up being quite popular and then turn it into a book that also becomes quite popular?
1: Well, I sort of have a confession to make here because I was so scared so entirely scared of publishing, putting my words out there, putting my work out there. I was paralyzed by fear. So I I took the road of fan fiction to sort of see, first, can I do it? Will I be able to start, you know, and post, uh, start to finish a story of the 60,000 words or 90,000 words of however many? And will people even want to read anything? that i write so my stories were both very much au's alternative universes where i did take the characters but i changed you know the subject of the story themselves and that's how delicate things remake was born where um you know the subject of it has nothing much to do with uh, the devil wears prada per se but you still have to do transforming, and you still it, it was much easier for me. Here is again when I take my my non-existent hat off in front of Rosalind because she had a story that was very much connected to the source material. Let's call it that way. Uh, I didn't have to mm-hmm. dig as deep as she dug to to transform the characters. Mine were already you know within uh, AU the story and the characters are quite different than the the original uh, than the source material mm-hmm. where she had to work first of all she had to work with a with an iconic uh, story and second of all she had to work with iconic characters and she took them and then so successfully made them her own with care and with love and with respect um i you know complete complete respect for me and just a masterful work of art that she produced with the books. So yeah, that was, that was sort of my, uh, my journey into writing. I started reading fan fiction in 2015 and I stumbled around until I found Devil Wars Prada. And one of the first ones I read was Lee Winter's works in the fandom, which are also mm. absolutely unbelievable and absolutely amazing. Brutal truth. When she announced that she's publishing Real Truth was the moment where I, who was absolutely unaware of sapphic fiction as a phenomenon, I was like, wait, what? There, you're publishing. Oh,
0: whoa. You're publishing. So that's your portal into and a community exactly. with hundreds of authors and thousands
1: of books. Exactly. And and I followed Lee Winter from fan fiction through Brutal Truth into sapphic fiction. And there was no going back for me. I just started to devour sapphic fiction to the tone of, I think the first three years, it was like 300 books a year. Yep. And it was, it was just like everything, <laughs> everything I could get my hands on. And so I owe Lee Winter uh, a great deal of gratitude for introducing me to sapphic fiction and to sort of pushing me from fan fiction into sapphic fiction. But still, fan fiction remains uh, the first love. And yeah. Roslyn's story was one of those that inspired and that uh, made me think that maybe that is the way to go. You know, maybe if I'm so scared, mm-hmm. And so apprehensive, uh, if anyone will, you know, want to read anything <laughs> by me, or if I even have it in me to write, uh, maybe fan fiction would be an easier, uh, gateway into the writing world, into authorship. And it, it was true. Once, once I started writing, well, I couldn't quite stop and the fan fiction stories turned into, uh, into books. All of mine, I didn't write that that much fan fiction, but, but they're both on ao 3. I didn't take them down either.
0: Nice. So speaking of your books, I hear you have a new one coming out. I'm very excited about it. Do you want to tell people what it is, what it's about, and when they can look forward to it, if they should be pre-ordering? Basically, all the things.
1: All right. So for once, it's not an ice cream romance. It is an age gap. But it's not an ice queen. <laughs> it is. A, right. It is a departure. It is a departure for me, indeed. It is quite a chance taking uh, or, or from from me here. But the character is just once I had the idea, I couldn't stop thinking about this couple in particular and what they go through. So the book is set in Paris and then in New York, and the book is split in two it's a two-parter but in one in one book so it'll be released all together and part one has the point of view of one character and part two has the point of view of the other character and the two parts are Mm -hmm. five years apart i don't want to give too much away but it is set in um, the world of fashion also surprise (laughs) you know it is set it is set (laughs) Uh, in the world of fashion, and we see a very famous and very revered former supermodel who is now a designer and her sort of descent in loneliness and lovelessness. And she's the queen in that ivory tower and how a, okay. a complete chance meeting sets in motion events that change everything about absolutely everybody. In the book. So it, it has a supporting cast of characters. Some of the characters we've already met in, uh, other books. It's particularly okay. in, um, um, delicate things we make, but also in solace. Uh, so, uh, right. as I, as I tweeted, we're meeting quite, quite a few pair of, of familiar, uh, Manolo Blahniks or, you know, Christiane Louboutins <laughs> in, in this, in this, yeah. in this book. So it's coming, uh, it's called These Thin Lines and it is about crossing lines and lines that should perhaps never be crossed. But what happens when we do cross them and what happens after the fallout? So it's a book about love and about forgiveness and about sacrifice. And it's coming out January 31st, uh, 2023 and the pre-order is up. Where is the pre-order? On Amazon, and you can find it on pretty much all my social media presence. Whatever I am, uh, it's up there. And it's also on my Amazon author uh, profile everywhere.
0: All right. Well, I feel like that perfectly leads into my next question. Where can people find you if they want to connect with you?
1: All right. So I used to say that I live on Twitter and that Twitter is home. So I'm currently sort of experiencing this very traumatic, uh, for me, <laughs> event of seeing the house where I live burned down or being set on fire periodically mm-hmm. and then, you know, put, put out and then set up, set on fire yeah. again. And, uh, it's where, you know, where, where we all found our community and where we all uh, found ourselves a lot more. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to, to find new outlets to, be still able to communicate with readers and with the audience. So I'm on Instagram as really Mackay. Mm-hmm. I am on Facebook as really Mackay. MelinaMackay.com has the newsletter subscription, which I am going to start to do interesting things in, like maybe short stories, uh, for the subscribers from the point of view of various characters whom we've seen maybe a little less in the books. Uh, Just to sort of keep uh, people interesting and give something back to those who have, you know, given me their email address and who want to keep in touch uh, with me.
0: Yeah, so for people that are listening, just on, on the Twitter note, we are recording this on November 12th. I'm not exactly sure what date this is going up yet. But as of today, we have no idea if Twitter is still going to be standing up or not. So if it is, great place to connect. But if it's not, just wanted to make sure that you had all of those other things. That is all for this episode. Thank you so much, Mila, for joining me today. This was super fun.
1: Thank you so much. I'm, I mean, I'm a huge, huge fanfic nerd. And this was such an amazing experience to be able to, you know, show my true colors and, and ge- geek out <laughs> without any kind of judgment. Because, um, I mean, when I do it with my friends who are absolutely uh, the best group in the world, But they don't read fanfic, so I try to maybe geek a little less (laughs) there.
0: No, now is your time. You did amazing.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been my pleasure.
0: So for anyone listening, if you have enjoyed the show and you haven't subscribed yet, please make sure you do. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you'll get notified whenever we release an episode. If you have a friend that you think would like the show or should read Truth and Measure, please tell them about Queerly Recommended and send them this episode. And if you would like to support the show, we have links in the show notes to our coffee and to our new newsletter sign-up. That's going to be going out probably a couple times a month. We're still figuring it out but yes please sign up for that also if you want to connect with us on your favorite social media sites we have links in the show note for that too or you can just search for queerly recommended on instagram facebook tumblr tiktok twitter if it is still standing you can also email us at podcast at goodbye everyone bye